Welcome to Mommy's on a Call, your sacred space to laugh, learn, and feel like a real grown-up human for a hot minute. I'm Stephanie Uchima Carney, a mom of three under six, serial entrepreneur, business strategist, and donut connoisseur, just trying to get through the day one cold cup of coffee at a time. I believe that with more intention, a positive mindset, and self-care, it is possible to thrive in motherhood, business, and life. My mission is to uncover the daily rituals, life lessons, real-life tactics, and favorite tools to inspire and empower you, mommy, to get the most out of life every single unpredictable day. So grab your headphones, tell your kids you're on the potty, and tune in weekly for some laughs, knowledge bombs, and plenty of real talk with real moms, and maybe a dad or two. Welcome to the Mommy Pod. Welcome back to Mommy's on a Call. Today, I'm excited to bring to you Jen Saxton. Jen is the founder and CEO of Tot Squad, a marketplace that connects new and expecting parents with health, wellness, and safety services like car seat installation, sleep consulting, baby proofing, and lactation consulting. Jen is also an alum of Duke and a Kellogg MBA, and she's a serial entrepreneur having sold her first business in 2020. She was also part of the 2020 Techstars Anywhere Accelerator. But above all, Jen is the mom of two, Charlotte and Sophie, aged seven months and three years. Welcome, Jen. Hello, I'm happy to be here. Excited to have you. Before we get started, I wanted to know what's your biggest mom win of the week? Oh my gosh, uh, my biggest mom win of the week. Well, we took our kids to Disneyland last night and neither of them got lost, but the three-year-old tried repeatedly <laughs> to run away. I, I resorted to putting a little lanyard on her that says, if lost, and it has my phone number on the inside and I tucked it on the inside of her Ghostbusters costume because she just runs so fast. Oh my goodness, what did you dress up as? We were all Ghostbusters. Okay. Um, my, this is like my husband's childhood fantasy. We have two little girls, but like they like Batman and Ghostbusters because he gets them into those things. And the baby was the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, which was like the highlight of my life. This is just like adorable little baby. And everybody thought she was a boy, but I don't care. It was very cute. And we got complimented everywhere. She and my three-year-old carried around a little like Slimer stuffed animal from eBay that I found. We were, we were popular. Are you going to be <laughs> Ghostbusters for Halloween also? Probably because I don't have the energy to find another costume. <laughs> I'm impressed, by the way, to go to that at night because I know it's like at night. And so to bring them, that's major oh, no. props. Then, I can barely stay maybe, past six. <laughs> yeah, no, then maybe that's not my mom win. My mom win is I hired my nanny to drive down to Disneyland at 7 p.m., pick them up, take them home and put them to bed while my husband and I stayed for four more hours. <laughs> okay, well, then that is a win. But anyway, that is actually a good win because then you got a date night out of that. Totally. We went with a couple of other friends. We had a great time. We rode the big kid rides that you can't ride when you're walking around Disney with a baby. We had a great time. Oh, amazing. Well, on that note, I know you have two kids, but give the audience a little bit of context of your family structure. You know, what are the roles that you and your husband play, kids, work-life dynamic? Give us a little picture about what that looks like right now. Oh my gosh, my life is crazy. I'm sure everybody says that. My husband is a filmmaker. And he does like indie crime thrillers that are like dark. He had this great movie that went to Sundance last year. That's like about a wannabe porn star that kills his best friend with a machete or something. And I work in the baby industry. (laughs) Couldn't be more opposite. Babies and porn, sweet. I always have to caveat. I'm like, it's not a porno. Like it's just about the porn industry. (laughs) <laughs> it's amazing. And so <clears throat> he, he, 
he works on a lot of creative pursuits. He does a lot of editing and other things. And I'm a founder CEO. I've been a, a startup founder for, I guess, 11 years now as a business owner and growing and scaling businesses, which is a whole adventure. And we had one COVID baby, uh, got pregnant in June 2020, and she was born in February. Being pregnant in a pandemic is not for the faint of heart. It is quite a scary, stressful time. Although, Especially did you now like there's... all of a sudden people were like, you have a baby? Like, where did that come from? I, it was really funny because well, I started my business so long before I had a baby that I... I had kind of like had this persona that I was the person in the baby industry with no babies. And actually it was great because by the time I had my daughter, I had so many industry contacts. I'm not even joking you. I received like almost 50 strollers and car seats. Like every brand gifted me. My husband is like, when are we, what are we doing? He's like, only one stroller fits in each car. Like <laughs> get these out of the garage. You don't need all these things. I have to test them. I have to make videos. I have to like have an opinion about all of them, which is great. So that's my first daughter, Charlotte. She's three. She was 18 months old when COVID hit, which was a really challenging age because she like wouldn't watch more than five minutes of TV. <laughs> like, Mine she was 20 months said, like, when COVID hit. So I completely <laughs> feel you. Yeah, I was like, I was like, oh, being quarantined with somebody who only says woof and moo is like not <laughs> most helpful. Intellectually stimulating. <laughs> totally, totally. So we finally just got her to start preschool this summer. Uh, I wanted to wait until the baby was like at least three months old and had a little bit more of immune system going on. Besides, you know, I got vaccinated while I was pregnant. I'm breastfeeding, trying to get the antibodies, like kind of all the chaos of all that. But mostly I'm just delighted to have my three-year-old in half-day preschool now and out of the house <laughs> so that, you know, she can get her stimulation elsewhere. And were you both working out of the house or do you work in the house? What's kind of that role? Yeah. I mean, I briefly tried to work from home. It was kind of crazy because I sold my business on March 12th of 2020. And like, it was very stressful. Didn't know if the deal was going to go through with all the chaos of the world shutting down that week and had planned to just continue renting my little office in the back of the space after the new company took over. But then they decided not to renew the lease because there was a pandemic and like, who needs a retail space in a pandemic? So I lost my office. And it was like that June, it was also when the Black Lives Matter protests started happening. And I'm in Sherman Oaks and all of Ventura Boulevard here in Los Angeles was completely boarded up. It was a really, really scary sight to see. And, and just like a very tumultuous, scary time. So like we boarded up the front. My husband's like, you cannot be like working alone in this building. <laughs> like you need to come work from home. But I lasted like three days. I was like, I cannot be here with the chaos of the children, like making sounds. So I like briefly tried to WeWork and then I landed at my other friend's place and I'm subletting an office there. But my team has now moved to fully remote. Wow. So, and do you have childcare at home? I know she's in preschool now, but with the younger one, do you have a nanny? Yes. Yes, we have a nanny. And the only reason I only put my older daughter in half day preschool is because the nanny speaks Spanish to them. And I want her to keep learning Spanish and, and speaking Spanish so I'm like, if I'm paying for the nanny for the little baby anyway, I might as well bring the, the preschooler home to keep working on it. That's amazing. Well, I want to step back a little and talk about your pre-mom life, because I think it's really interesting that you ran a company that's based around <laughs> children when you didn't have any kids yet. And then not only that, you sold the company and you now have two kids and you're starting something again. And so for most moms out there who are like, I would love to start something or all that, let's step back to the beginning and you know, where did Tot Squad come from? How did you come up with this when 
You didn't even know what like kids were. Like you, you had no experience. <laughs> I had none. Well, I mean, I guess if we're going back to the way beginning, I would say that I kind of always had this drive to have a family business. When I was a kid, I grew up in Austin, Texas, and my parents bought the miniature train in Zilker Park. For anybody who knows Austin, there's a little miniature train that goes around the park. And my dad managed the engineers and my mom started the souvenir stand and my little sister and I would go collect the tickets from people as they were getting on the train. And we loved going to work with our parents. It was like so much fun to like be in that environment and have a family owned business. And so I kind of had the same vision for myself. When I graduated from Duke and I was doing management consulting, I saw all of these women turning 30 trying to start a family and make partner at the same time. And they were like leaving the workforce in droves. Like we eventually had no female partners left. And I just kept thinking to myself, like, I'm really ambitious. I want a big career, but I also want a family. And like, how am I going to do both of those things simultaneously? Because I kind of just always had that nugget of like the joy of being able to like go to work with my parents. So I started following the idea of like work-life balance as a trend. And this is like 2006 and seven or something. It was like long before it was a thing. And I'm, I always say I'm the oldest millennial. I guess now there's a name for us. We're geriatric we're, millennials. Exactly. Or I, I like to put on my thing zennials because I think we're like exactly the same. So yeah, yeah we're I put zennials. Yeah. We're <laughs> zennial. Yeah. I was born in 82. And so I just thought this generation is just about to start having children. And like, we're already obsessed with work-life balance. It's going to be even harder once we're parents. So by the time I got to business school, I kind of had this thesis. Like, I want to improve work-life balance for busy moms. How can I do it? So so I just like would tell everybody that. And then people would share ideas with me and their problems, their frustrations they were having as moms. And ultimately I landed on this idea that strollers and car seats were really disgusting and really hard to like disassemble, to clean, to like repair, just like to deal with them. And I thought, well, there's got to be something here. Like everybody I've talked to said they hate dealing with this. There's nobody else out there solving this problem. Like, am I on to something? So I won the business plan competition and I went on to start the company. And I'm like, here I am with my like huge student loan debt from my like fancy MBA program. And on the weekends, I like went back to my strategy job during the days. And then on the weekends, I'm like driving this big yellow baby van, cleaning vomit and poop out of people's car seats in like a hundred degree heat. I'm like, I'm the freaking CEO. Like, I, this is what I'm doing with my MBA. I can't but it's even like working it. in the mailroom. You start from the beginning. You gotta learn. You've got to learn. And it's it's truly an asset as you build a company to have done every job in the business because you can really relate to what your like frontline staff are going through. So I, I really put in the so hours So quick there. question then, once you had your kids, were you like, this is so easy, I can do childcare, like I can clean up poop and everything, were you like not faced? I mean, my husband like thinks that I know everything about babies. And I was like, I really just know like how to install car seats and like clean them. Like, I don't know how to breastfeed. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just like any other new mom, but he just assumed that I over-indexed. I mean, I did and do read a lot of mommy blogs. So I know more than the average person because that was part of my job. But when it comes to my own kids' disgust, I... I, I don't know. Like I tolerate a lot, I guess. Like if it's not actually smelly, like there's a lot of Cheerios and goldfish in my car seats right now. And it used to be before I sold that business, I was like, there's this pressure. If anybody sees me with a dirty stroller or car seat, like, I, I can't be the face of my company and have my own gear be dirty. So I would like bring it into the office once a week and somebody would clean it for me, which is amazing. That's amazing. What do you think is like a common thread that you saw throughout all of these things that like, what were the biggest things that people did wrong or what are like the, 
Oh my gosh. I, I would say one thing that, I mean, car seat safety is uh, the statistics are abysmal. Uh, there was a study out of Washington State a couple of years ago that showed that 95% of new parents leaving the hospital with their new baby had a critical error in the use of their car seat. So like literally only 5% of people did it right. Because well, I can see that. Can I tell you a little funny story? Yes. So my second kid came four weeks early and I wasn't anticipating that. And I had cleaned the first car seat, but I hadn't installed it. And mm-hmm. it was still in the wash. And so my husband was at home and he's like, I don't know how to do this. And I was like, well, we have a brand new car seat that's in a box. It was going to return it to Bye Bye Baby. Why don't we just bring it? He brings the whole car seat attached to the base and everything into the hospital room. And he's like, I have no idea how to unlatch this. I don't know what to do. I was like, it's not in the car. And he's like, here, he brought literally the entire thing. So I can see why that 95% of people would not do one thing right. Well, I know we did a mom win. Maybe I'll share my mom fail. So, (laughs) I mean, I've been a certified child passenger safety technician since 2009. My daughter is born in 2018 and I'm like, this is a big moment for me, like bringing my baby home from the hospital in the car seat for the first time. I'm going to like videotape the whole thing and use it on our social channels and all that. And I get home and I look at it and like the headrest was in the wrong position. It was too high. I was like, I cannot use this video anywhere. I, a person who is like a public face of child passenger safety did not have my car seat properly used on my own child's way home from the hospital. I was like, I'm so embarrassed. I can never post this video anywhere. And then my second baby also came three weeks early, but we knew we were going to the hospital. My blood pressure was high. I was, you know, I'm geriatric. So (laughs) you gotta gotta have the baby early. And we actually went to the hospital with no car seat. We brought no car seat for the baby. Like, how did I manage to have two major car seat fails with both of my children? I can't even believe it. I'm so embarrassed. Well, it's a good thing to know that everybody is, you know, it's not a mistake. It's, it's perfectly normal. We don't have to be these perfect moms that we see on Instagram and things. So I love it. Thank you for uh, being vulnerable and, <laughs> and showcasing that. It, you should put it as like a do not do this. This is not for real. This is just <laughs> exactly like this don't, just- don't. Don't videotape your car seat being used incorrectly with your small child. So yeah, so now we flashed forward and you have this company and now you have two kids, well, one kid and then before you sold it. How are you managing that? What did your kind of pre-mom entrepreneur life look like? And then your post-mom, like what were the biggest, I think, like things that changed for you? Well, I will say having worked in the baby industry, like a baby is a great accessory. Like it's a very baby friendly industry. And so gives she you credibility. <laughs> totally. And and lots of free goodies, which again is like awesome. And I had started before I had my own babies having an infants at work policy. And I thought it was just like a mom friendly way to get some of my employees back to the office earlier. And everybody who works at Tot Squad loves babies. Like, don't work here if you don't love kids. And so I had moms that would come back to work after six weeks, part-time, maybe one or two days, but they would bring their baby with them up until the baby's like six or seven months old because, like, they're not mobile. They sleep most of the day. Right. But once like, they start moving, it's game over. Game over once they're crawling, like, which my daughter just started crawling last week. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, my life is over. Um, but I, I think that 
having set that precedent with an employee before I brought my own daughter into the world was great. It didn't look like the CEO, like just made up some policy where you can bring your baby to the office, like just for me, because we'd had other people use it before, which was really awesome. And I feel like that helped like ease my way back into the office and being a working mom. But I mean, so much changed. Like, again, I was the single person in the baby world with no babies. So I would like on random Tuesday nights, go to the working moms meetup in Santa Monica. I would like go to these things and be like, what are you doing here? You have no children. <laughs> You're so weird. But it was that kind of like networking and hustle that really allowed me to build my business. I, I was never big on paid marketing. I did everything very much grassroots, bartering, partnerships, just like straight up sales biz dev has always been the way that I've grown my companies. And so it's all about just like the networking and the hustle and getting, getting out there and meeting people. So I'm actually curious on that note, because I'm a true believer that networking and like who you know is really important in growing your business over paid advertising. I know Mm -hmm. that's controversial. A lot of people will say like, no, paid marketing. I mean, there is an extent to pay. But now in this like, say, not post-COVID, but like, you know, in this different world where a lot more things are either online, people are still not comfortable going out. What do you see as a big shift in the way now you're building this business, this new business, even though it's still Tot Squad, but this new company versus before, since you were like out there hustling, not a mama. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) What are you doing differently? It's hard. I mean, as an extrovert, like COVID has been hard for me. I'm like, I love to be around people. And as much as having a fully remote team has been amazing because I've been able to like get access to talent that like I wouldn't have had otherwise, it's, it's hard and very lonely to be here all by yourself. And I think that sometimes we do have to use that like chit chat portion of a meeting to like establish some connection when you're on video chat all day, which is so exhausting. Like, I feel like we've moved into this world now where things that used to just be a call are now a video chat. It's like, why can't they just be a call again? Like I'm tired of looking at myself on the camera Exactly. I actually started to push like hide self view on Zoom because it would so be distracting. Smart. Yeah. It started to get distracting. Like I'd be like, why that am I touching sense. my hair? What am I doing? Like, and so yeah. I get that. I, I mean, miss that interaction action. Totally. I mean, I think for me, I love to go to conferences and trade shows and things because you can just like make so many connections in like a very short period of time. And I feel like nobody has really mastered getting those done virtually. Like I might block out my calendar. This happened last week. The tech stars had like a big all day conference. I blocked out my whole calendar for the day. So I could like really be part of this conference. I like worked most of the day. I tuned in for two sessions and oh, it was no one nice listening. That I, That's part yeah, of tech stars. I, <laughs> I, it was nice that I didn't have meetings on my calendar all day for once, but I just think it's so, so hard to like build new relationships virtually that I wish I had better answers for that. Like I, I haven't really mastered it yet. I think I'm in a different position now, you know, 11 years in than I was before because now I have a lot of relationships. So I'm not having to like get out there and meet people as much or like the kinds of people that I need to talk to are not the people that are like, necessarily showing up to those types of events now, but it was really, really important to me in the early days to just be like networking any way I could. For sure. So then now let's look at, it was March of 2020. You weren't pregnant with your second yet, but you Mm -hmm. sold your company. You could have easily said, okay, I'm going to take a break. I'm not going to do anything. And then you become pregnant. So now you have two (laughs) kids. What made you or what inspired you to, you know, go forward and do a new company instead of maybe taking a different route? Because I know there's a lot of moms out there who might take a pause in their, you know, Mm -hmm. career because of children and they want to get back into things or they want to start a company. I mean, you did tech stars, I think, pregnant or did you have your kid yet? No, no, no. That is a big commitment. And actually tech stars with 
any child, like, is a lot. And so Mm -hmm. I'm just curious for you, like, to those women out there and moms who might, like, need that push or want to know how did you do it? How did you do it? Yeah. Well, a couple of things. First, I just want to talk about startup accelerators as a comment. So we got accepted into 500 startups and tech stars, and we got a term sheet from a VC in San Francisco, all the same like two week period. And I was trying to decide between the three of them. And it was really hard for me. And this isn't necessarily a ding on 500 startups specifically, but they wanted you to move to San Francisco for three months. And that's how every accelerator in the world pre-COVID worked. Like you had to relocate. And I was like, this was literally designed for tech bros, like in their early twenties, not like moms, my management team, like we have kids, we have husbands with jobs and like kids in schools, like we can't just go to San Francisco for three months. Like that's not mom friendly at all. And so we actually got into the Techstars Anywhere Accelerator, which was their only one that was intended to be virtual. Like there were three in-person one week meetups and the rest of it was all virtual. And I was like, why can't the rest of the world do this? So I'm delighted that there's so many more virtual accelerator options. We should just create a mom accelerator, something that helps like, (laughs) you know, parenting and work stuff, but also has people in it that are moms. Yes. Well, somebody is kind of doing something oh. similar to that. It's called Parenthood Ventures. Okay. The founder, Charlotte, has a great Slack group for early stage family tech, parent tech companies that are trying to solve problems for families and parents um, and caregivers. So if anybody is looking at business ideas in that space, check out Parenthood Ventures. It's amazing. But anyway, that was not the, the question that you asked me. So <laughs> that was my aside about the tech bro culture of startup accelerators. Um, so for why did I not take a break when I sold my business? And like, how did I decide I wanted to do it again? Because like, you know, I did 10 years in the first business. This is like a very long time to be building and growing something. And it's exhausting. And it's a roller coaster and all those things. The short answer is that it kind of happened simultaneously. I had a new idea. So when Charlotte was born, my three-year-old in 2018, that very same month, the old business was right cleaning service for strollers and car seats. And we were scaling it kind of like the geek squad with little service centers inside of Bye Bye Baby stores. So I think we were opening in like 30 stores and 10 markets all over the country the month after my baby was due. So they like gave us the green light in August, 2018. And she was due in September. I was like, okay, so I'm nine months pregnant and I need to like raise a series A and like open in 10 cities and like have a baby. Like, sure. Like I could do that all next month. I did not raise the series A, but we did open and I did have the baby and we were really growing that business. But I quickly realized as a mom myself, all of a sudden, after many years of like eating, breathing and sleeping the baby world, that I had way bigger problems than just a dirty stroller. <laughs> and, and I was like, why is it so hard to find a lactation consultant and a sleep consultant? And like all of these providers and I want night nannies, there's no national brand name in any of these categories. And what if instead of like being the company that employs these hourly workers that clean gear, like what if I can become a tech company, like a glam squad or an Uber, a marketplace that just connects end consumers with a service provider? And I started tinkering with that idea. And then it quickly became apparent to me that I could not run the existing cleaning business all over the country and start this new tech company and be a new mom all at the same time. Something had to give. And so I was actually like just trying to explore my options of like, how could I go in this new direction? And it occurred to me, like, maybe I should try to sell the cleaning business. And so I actually sold that business to enable me to pursue the new idea that I had because I had become a mom and it was amazing. So it was not a a personal exit for me. I did not actually take any cash out of the transaction, but I formed a new company and the new company acquired the Tot Squad brand name from the old company. And the rest of the business was acquired by BabyQuip, which is the world's largest baby gear rental marketplace. So So you kind of like sold part of the company to yourself. 
Kind of. Yeah. So I was like, I used to say I was like divesting part of the business, the cleaning service, but like after all the legal schmancy stuff is done, like we actually have a new company that acquired the brand name. And so, yeah, this is like Tot Squad 2.0. Here we are. And we're, uh, we're, you know, selling services through walmart.com and amazon.com and, and, you know, helping connect moms to these service providers all over the country. It's great. And I was going to say, like, did you take maternity leave at all after your second? Yes, but it was challenging. So uh, we were in the middle of this restructuring, right? Because of the way the kind of legal entities had to get all sorted out after the sale of the core business. And I did have these like angry investors emailing me while I was in the hospital, like after I had my C-section. And I had this call set up for them to like meet with the BabyQuip founder four days after my baby was born. And there wasn't really anybody else who I could like pass that to, to like run it. And so I tried to send out a meeting reminder. I had a C-section. I was like on a lot of painkillers. I sent out the meeting reminder like, oh, see you guys all at 11 a.m. or something. And then I joined on the Zoom and there's like two people. And I was expecting like a much larger like group to show up. And then somebody's like, oh, well, I thought it was at one o'clock, not 11 o'clock. I look at my calendar, like, sure enough, I had the time totally wrong. Then they had to send a correction email out to all the investors being like, sorry, it's not at 11, it's at one. I got the time wrong. Like, this is why you should not be working four days after you had a baby. Like, what was I thinking? Why didn't I just cancel or move this call? Like, this was so dumb. I just had, I was just so embarrassed. But I did hire some great people to like run the business while I was out. So I was trying to take like a full two weeks unplugged and then just check in once or twice a week. That lasted maybe six or eight weeks. And then I was probably ramping up to work like 10, 20 hours a week towards the end. So I was very intentional about it. It, So for any mom that's a business owner, I think if you're going into a maternity leave, you know you're about to have a baby. My advice to you is to be very intentional. I hired an executive coach and I worked with her to outline, these are the things in my business that I am going to engage in. Like, you know, if we have this huge new deal coming from Target, like I want to be on that phone call, like I will make it happen. And these are the things I'm not going to engage in. Like I am not going to renew the financials or review them, the financials this month. I'm not going to deal with customer support tickets if somebody's angry and had a bad experience. Like these are things that can be delegated. And so I actually wrote out the list, like things I am not doing and things that I am doing. And that was communicated very clearly with everybody on my team. So they knew what to escalate to me and what not to. And how did you keep those boundaries? Uh, I actually unsubscribed from a lot of my Slack channels so that I just wouldn't see it because I knew I couldn't resist the temptation. Like if I see the conversation happening, I can't not participate. Like it's just too hard if I know that I know the answer and can help. So I had to disengage. I put up an out of office. It was a little witty. It made me happy. Um, You know, it's like, oh, I'm without access to like email or clean, uh, like cleaning myself showers, like (laughs) like, clean clothes, showers. I don't have access to any of these things. And I got a lot of fun responses to my out of office, but you know, I I got the out of office, but I, I was still checking the emails every once in a while so that I could like know that if I didn't want to respond, they got my out of office. But if I did want to respond, I could jump in. Well, now in the day-to-day of being a mom, being a business owner and all of that, do you create any boundaries or space for yourself, for your, like, whether it's self-care or do you have any sort of routines you do daily? How do you replenish you? I'm working on that. So my husband and I are in the process of rolling out the fair play system. Eva's going to be on my podcast. <gasps> oh my God, Eva's the I'm best. Like, so, yeah. She, yeah, I'm interviewing her, I think, in a month. And I'm like, I, I'm nervous. I, no, yeah. don't be nervous. She's so nice. She's so nice. I'm so um, excited. She's like, yeah. I, I want to learn idol. all the things. Exactly. Also really, she's writing a new book called Unicorn Space. And I'm like, I really want to know once I have the time, what do I do with it? Yeah, what is, what is my unicorn space? Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, anybody who hasn't read Fair Play, please go read it. Eve Rodsky, she's a genius. 
she, I did not realize in the whole book, she doesn't say this, maybe because it wasn't true at the time, but her husband was one of the co-founders of Hello Sunshine with Reese Witherspoon. And they just sold that company for like a bazillion dollars. And I was like, yeah, go Reese Witherspoon, go you. And I was like, and this is why Eve talks about her like very powerful, successful husband, but maybe doesn't. Now it makes sense why she was a Reese Witherspoon book club thing. Totally, totally. There's a connection there. It's all about who you know, connections. Exactly. I put the pieces together and I was like, this makes so much sense. So anyway, we're doing the fair play system. And we were basically like just going through the cards to like agree with like, what does it mean to be the person who's in charge of like automotive? Like, yes, it means you take the cars for oil changes. And like, if there's a flat tire or a situation, like you deal with it, like whatever, like just agreeing to what each card entails. Cause there's a hundred cards for anybody who hasn't read it. And they're everything that you have to manage as like a family, a household with children in it from watching the kids to like making sure you have an estate plan and life insurance and like paying the bills every month. Like every single thing that your household is managing is probably part of this deck. And What shocked me about this book was that it said the number of cards that like the typical male, like in a heterosexual couple, the typical husband holds that is like the magic number to like make women the most happy was 21 cards. (laughs) Out of a hundred. Out of a hundred. But I was like, when I went through it and I was like, oh, I think my husband's doing eight or nine. It's like, yeah, if I could get to 20, that is twice as many. That was like, oh my God, that would be game changer for me if I could give him 10 more things that I don't have to think about. (laughs) So we're doing fair play. And as part of fair play, you are supposed to carve out this time for yourself for self-care. I do an annual like goal session for myself. So usually it's like the first business day of the year, like January 2nd or 3rd or whatever that day is. I go to like a nice hotel on the beach or something by myself. And I have this little workbook that I do and I do my business goals for the year and I do my personal goals for the year. And this year I had some self-care goals written out. Like I wanted to start tennis lessons again. It's been like 20 years since I played at Duke and I'm not good. And I wanted to have more time just like checked out, like not checking my phone, whether it's like drinking wine with my girlfriends or just like intentionally carved out time where there is no guilt that I'm not working. Cause that's like, I struggle with that when I'm not working. I feel like I should be working when I'm working. I feel like I think everybody has that issue. So really carving out that time where I'm like unplugged and, and checking out. So I did start my tennis lessons. I was so proud of myself. And then like three weeks in, I broke my toe. So I've been oh, <laughs> offline no. frantically cleaning my house before my mother-in-law arrived. I like stubbed my toe on the snoo. Um, <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm all true story. True story. So I don't know, I'm going to get back into the tennis, but I'm, I, I encourage people to really think about doing quarterly annual goals, planning sessions, and not just for work and not just your professional goals, but thinking about what are your personal goals for the year as well. Do you do, and like, do you have any sort of morning routine or is it just like get up and go? So my one, here's one of my mom hacks is I like hire the nanny to come early and help with the morning routine because like right now between nursing the baby, trying to get the toddler ready, because this is our like first time even having a morning where like the kid has to be out of the house because since during COVID, she was home with the nanny the whole time. Like we'd wanted to put her in daycare at 18 months, but then there was a pandemic. And so previously I didn't have to worry about if I left for work and she was like in pajamas and hadn't had breakfast. Cause the nanny would just deal with all that. Now it's like, I've got to nurse the baby, dress the kid, feed the breakfast, like do all the things. So she comes early and helps like wrangle the toddler while I'm on baby duty. And then we switch. She keeps the baby. I drop the toddler off at school and it's great. But like my time for putting on makeup and like thinking about my husband works late at night on his like indie crime thrillers. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Is so that what office, we're calling it? I'm just kidding. That's right. That's right. So he's often asleep in the 
morning. And I feel like I'm like tiptoeing around my bedroom, like trying not to wake him up because I knew he was working so late. So it's just, it's hard. It's hard to have a good morning routine, like get in and out as fast as I can. How do you and your husband get time for you? Like, do you have any just standing date nights? Like, how do you communicate in your relationship? Oh, I don't know that we're that great at having like standing date nights, but like, I'm trying to get better about hiring a babysitter and not feeling bad about it. Cause I think I was doing this math before of like, okay, last Saturday we went to go see Modest Mouse. Like I loved that band and we went downtown and we're like so excited about our date night. The acoustics were horrible. The whole concert was a bust, but it was like, I used to do this math where it's like, okay, well the babysitter is going to cost like 15 or $20 an hour times four hours. Like, is it this thing really worth $60 to like pay the babysitter? Do I need to go to this movie that bad? Plus you pay for the actual date. And then all of a sudden it's like a $500 night. And you're like, what just happened? What just happened? This is crazy. And so I feel like I'm like trying to like stop focusing on that because like we are, we're like an early stage startup founder and a, and an artist, you know, a budding filmmaker, like we don't have a ton of money yet. And so we, you know, like I don't have a a lot of money to just like spend on extra things like that. But I think I just have to like put it in the calculus of like, this is an investment in my marriage and my personal sanity. Like we were talking about vacations, like Disneyland even. It's like, that is not a vacation. That is like working remotely of parenting. Like, well, so we it's, always yeah, said parenting it's, job, it's job relocation. So we always say when you go on vacation, it's not vacation. It's called job relocation. You're just relocating yeah. your parenting in another, parenting in another place exactly. with none of your things that you are accustomed to. So <laughs> then it's actually more work. Exactly. It's like, it's so much harder. One of my friends actually travels with a nanny and I'm like, I might have <sighs> to get on that train. That feels like if you're going to have like one vacation, a year and just like instead of doing like lots of little vacations like do one big one and just hire the help (laughs) yeah I don't know I'm like big on like my personal space and so it's like I know people who do that but I'm just like I like my like I don't know I don't want you here (laughs) yeah it's like I want my privacy but then I want the help so it's like so this time we're going to Hawaii with my parents Mm, very smart very smart yeah we've been thinking about getting an au pair just to have like more flexible childcare on a budget but I just can't get over the fact that they're going to be like right there upstairs in my house, like a few doors down. I don't know. I just want more privacy. (laughs) Yeah, no, I completely understand. Well, let's see. Okay. So before we wrap this up, you know, to any moms out there, any final words on just, I guess, like looking to get back into things, looking to do a startup, like, would you say yes, no? What would you look for? Like, why would you go forward and do it? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people are always telling moms like, just go for it. Just do it. Like, don't wait, start your business. I give a little bit of a nuance on that advice. Like I a hundred percent encourage everybody who has a passion and idea to like, go for it and figure it out. But I always say, don't quit your day job until you are in revenue, because there are so many parts of starting a business that have to happen before you actually start earning any money like filing for all of your business licenses. And in California, it always takes forever here. You have to like choose a name, get the URL, design the logo, design the website, figure out the pricing. Like there's a bazillion little elements that go into it that until you actually start to see cash flow coming in on a regular basis, you can do it on the side. And so, you know, and maybe it's on the side of parenting before you're investing in hiring the nanny. You can do it full time. But I think that there's enough of the like kind of startup process that can happen on the side, whether you're a full-time parent or a full-time employee somewhere. Do all of those things first. And when you start to feel a little momentum and some excitement, like that's when it's time to quit your job. Like I said, after I finished business school, I was starting my business while I went back to my strategy job. And sometimes I was working from 9am to 3am. Like it was, I had no children, but I was just working full-time job on my startup and a full-time job on my like day job. And 
it was amazing. And the moment I knew it was time to quit my job was when I got booked on Shark Tank. And unfortunately, my episode never aired. It was like a total bummer. Like my helper person was standing in the wrong spot. So like the edit looked weird or something. I got a deal with Mark Cuban on the show. They never aired. I was so bummed. I I walked away from the deal offline afterwards. But I was going to actually ask if they honored it, even though you weren't on it. They would have. Yeah. But it was just like my strategy going into the show was like, get a deal, even if it's bad, and then renegotiate offline. And I quickly realized I didn't actually want any sort of deal. Well, (laughs) and I was going to say Shark Tank is really, I think most people don't realize it's really a marketing play, not really like a money play. Totally, totally. So I was like, I don't want this deal. This deal is bad, bad terms. So I didn't take the deal. My show never like left, but it was like, I can't go on Shark Tank and say I have a full-time job. Like they'll eat me alive. Like I have to be all in on the business. So that was kind of what gave me the like courage to finally jump ship and start working on my business. But I think like, you'll know, you'll know when your business is starting to consume more of your time because more customers are demanding your product or like you're starting to just feel that momentum. And it's not just that like sense of like, I have so much to do. And you have this long to-do list of ideas of things to try. That's not the time to quit your job. Like keep trying those ideas on the side. And when you actually start to feel the momentum, that's when you can like think more about taking the risk. Great advice. So I'm wondering, what is your superpower that you gained once you became a mom that makes you better in either business or life? Oh my gosh, my superpower when I became a mom. I was going to say my superpower is like negotiating. I love negotiating. In fact, my husband and like and I, whenever we go get a new car, they all think that he's the bad cop and I'm the good cop, but like they don't know he's just a decoy and I am the good cop and the bad cop. I'm going to like, <laughs> I'm going to get the best possible deal. And I think that that superpower has like started to come in very handy with a toddler. (laughs) It's, 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 I'm like learning new nuances to my ability to negotiate with, I mean, she's like really cute and she's also a terrorist. (laughs) I think there is actually a book or something that was like negotiating with toddlers is like negotiating with like terrorists. And it was, it's like something along the lines of that. Okay. I'm going to need to find that because that sounds right up my alley. So yeah, I feel like I'm doing a lot of negotiating and using all these like MBA strategies of like redirection and like distraction, (laughs) red herring. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm I'm definitely, I'm I'm getting a new nuance to my negotiations. Awesome. Well, where can we find you online? We are at TotSquad, T-O-T-S-Q-U-A-D on Instagram or Facebook or totsquad.com. And are you guys like live and everything? We can find lactation consultants. We can find different things. You can find different things. And and you will, next month, we will be launching in 500 Walmart stores all over the country where you'll actually like next to the car seats, you'll be able to scan a QR code and buy a car seat installation service from right there inside the store. So really excited about some of those new launches that are coming up. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining today, Jen. I loved having you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy's on a Call. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for this episode and other goodies over at mommiesonacall.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I would be so grateful if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Thank you so much again, Mommy Pod, and I will see you here next time.